All right, folks, welcome in to Pickaxe and Roll, brought to you by our good friends over at Superbook Sports. I'm your host, Ryan Blackburn, at NBA Blackburn on Twitter, part of the Mile High Sports Podcast Network, and I am very excited to hang out with my guy, Swipe Cam. Uh, we're vibing here, we're hanging out, we're chilling, and this has been a great time to be a Nuggets fan. This has been a great time to do our job. Like, we're how exciting is this to be able to just do everything that, that it takes to be a part of this business, man? Like, we're, we're, we're living it right now. We're living it. That's facts, man. It's been a great, great year. Hopefully, it gets even better tomorrow. Man, it's been a great time for the first time to be probably a Denver Nuggets fan for the first time. You know, we've had some nice little peaks, man, but never like this. So, you know, there's some special things on the horizon, that's for sure. It's been a lot of fun, and I'm just I'm looking forward to everything that kind of comes with this. And, and there has been a lot. Like we, we were just talking before this, and got to do some fun things in Miami on my on my time out there. Uh, we've we've connected with a lot of really interesting people, and and just being a part of this has been insane. It's been it's been really really cool, and and it helps when you're winning. It helps when you're doing that stuff, and uh, it just it. You kind of get the sense now that like Denver's on the map. They're, they're for the first time they're on the NBA map, and it like you talked about, it, they've never really been like it's never been a great time to be a Denver Nuggets fan, and and now it feels like it is. Now it just feels like this is completely different, and and it really comes down to Game Three and Game Four, just an absolute vibe over the course of this week. Yeah, man. You know, I figured they could go into Miami and get to um, you know. Miami, you definitely filled out the game, too, and they won by three points, shot 49% from three. They felt like they stole some momentum. Miami Heat fans felt like, you know, we can do this, we can do this, we can do this. And you know what? They still can, you know, because, again, their three-point shooting has been spectacular this playoff, man. But uh, the Denver Nuggets, they have just been able to reach some heights. You know, game three, you get double 30-point triple doubles from Joker and Maul. And then, you know, game four, you get 48 points between Aaron Gordon and Bruce Brown. Their execution against every scheme the Miami Heat have tried, they played 2-3. They played a 2-1-2. They tried to do some 1-3-1 variations. They've tried a bunch of different things, and yet the Nuggets have figured it out. And it was so bad, Ryan, that the Nuggets made them play man-to-man defense the entire, the entirety of game five, which I think speaks to the fact that the Nuggets have just been able to figure them out and ascend. And they have like a 118 and a half, 119 offensive rating in this series so far, which is even better than what they did in the regular season. And they've been dominating defensively. So X's and O's, execution, Michael Malone deserves some serious shout outs. Like the adjustments he's made on a game by game basis have been excellent. And he's managed to get every Denver Nuggets involved. Um, at different points in times in these victories as well. So, man, it's just really an incredible time in Miami. And with one, only one guy needs to get more involved now, and it's and that's Mike. Uh, but other than that, like it just does feel like everybody's had their moment, right? Mm-hmm. Everybody's had at least one point, even in the road trip where where they were really stepping up. I mean, Jokic and Jamal uh, stepping up in Game Three, back like thirty point dueling triple doubles. Christian Brown had his moments in that game as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can point to in game four, four different guys who, who really had had their step-up moments too. 
Jeff Green has a big three in the corner, uh, that left corner three. The only shot that he took the entire game uh, was on the court for uh, that entire run without Jokic on the floor, where where you, you had to survive, you had to play great defense, and he was a part of that for sure. KCP playing great defense during that stretch and, and then hits a clutch three right at the end to really seal the deal for the team. And and then obviously Bruce and AG, like those guys, they they got to have their real moments in that game. And and it's it's just been really cool to see everybody kind of step up in their own ways throughout it. And uh it, this is what the culture is all about. This is what this team's all about. And and it definitely like, it's why it was such a vibe down there and why they were absolutely ready for the moment. There was never any panic. There was never any concern. There was like, it was just, Hey, we dropped one because we weren't focused enough in game two. Now right. we're going to show everybody what we're all about in games three and four. And they, they did exactly that. You know, what's funny. This entire playoffs, they have played like a team that's already won a championship. Mm. I think that's been one of my big takeaways. They're poised when they need to muster up maximum level performance on both ends. They've done it. When Michael Malone calls them out in the media, they played really behind. The defense was terrible. They weren't switching because they weren't hitting shots. Their defense fell off. He said that after game two, games three and four, they come out and they take care of business. So, the, the Nuggets have shown a resolve that you just don't expect from a team that's never even sniffed in NBA Finals. Honestly, Ryan, dare I say they look like the more, the more poised team between them and the Heat. And the Heat have been to three Eastern Conference Finals in the last four years. The Heat have been to two Finals in the last four years. And here are the Denver Nuggets go, and they are pushing them to the brink of having to try anything and everything just to stop them, changing their starting lineups, trying to figure out how they play Duncan Robinson more, but getting cooked on the other side of the ball. I mean, Eric Spolster has gone deep into his bag. Again, his Hall of Fame bag. But, oh. yeah, at every answer, the Denver Nuggets have rallied, they've responded, and they've been able to show they're a better team so far. You know, the uh, the first thing that comes to my mind when you, when you said that is that – the teams that Miami faced, they were broken mentally in a lot of ways by Miami and by mm. their poise and by their ability to force the other team into some mistakes and not make any of themselves. And whether it was the shooting or the defense or anything, like it, it always felt like those other teams that Miami had been facing kind of broke down and wilted at, right. at various points. Denver has so much confidence in Jokic and so much confidence in Murray that – no matter the situation, you always feel like those guys have something to give, that they have something that they can uh, rally around. And, and also, like, it's not just those guys. It's about the entire collective and, and building up as a group. It, it feels like they just have so much confidence. And, and like you're talking about, they, they've got the poise. They've got more poise than even the Heat, who have been in this situation before. And this Nuggets group hasn't been together as this as this particular team. So it's really cool to be able to see – and I've been I've been just enjoying it, and everybody's got to enjoy it because you never know when these things are going to come back around. Uh, I mean, who knows? Maybe this is the start of a dynasty. Who who knows? But like, I I just I do feel that this Nuggets group is special, and and they've shown it. And Ryan, let me ask you this, brothers: um, Do you think it's the fact that again, Jokic, Murray, Porter—that's their big three. 
Do you think it's the fact that they have just gone through tougher series than what they faced so far this playoff run? The Clippers series, the Utah Jazz series, the Lakers series, where they were just outmatched. And then obviously, do you think they have just gone through the ringer? And then even in the 2019 playoffs, when they lost because Jamal Murray shot four of 19, I think, in game seven. And if he just shoots eight of 19, they win that game. And they go to the Western Conference Finals in their first run. Do you think it is they have just honestly been through more disappointment and more difficult series than they have had to face so far? And again, not more difficult in terms of talent, but in terms of the adversity they have to face. Maybe do you think it's just they just face more adversity so none of this shakes them? Well, I've, I've heard this before from people. You have to take your lumps. You have mm-hmm. to take your your hits before actually getting to the mountaintop because so much about it and so much about understanding these different situations is having gone through them before and is having navigated right. them. And it's why veterans are so important because they've seen all these situations before. They know when teams are feeling down on themselves. They know when teams are feeling a little bit too confident. They understand that there, there's a there's a rhythm to these things. There's a an energy that you have to have, that you have to carry. And you also have to be a metronome at times where mm. it, no, you, no, no matter what, you can't get too high, you can't get too low, you have to focus on yourselves. And that to me was the like one of the reasons why I was so confident in Denver this year. The entire message this year has not been about any other team at all, except right. the Lakers at times where you're like, screw you, Lakers, it's about us. Right. Um, it's more about how can we as a team be the best version of our of ourselves and them having that and them embodying that and, and not getting rattled up with, with all this other stuff, I, th- I think is really, really important. And it's, it's just an aspect of this that uh, it's, it's never going to be fully appreciated by those from right. the outside, but Nuggets fans, they get it. Right. They went into training camp with the expectations of winning an NBA championship, but they weren't being boisterous about it. They weren't telling the world about it. Michael Malone wasn't going on ESPN and Fox Sports and doing press conferences telling everyone that, hey, we're here to win an NBA championship. He was setting the expectations internally, as you know, because you've been there. Michael Malone, in the press conferences, as much as he's talking to everybody else, he's talking to his guys. He's talking to his team. So when he was setting expectations, hey, we need to be a top five defense in the NBA. Well, you know what? Maybe they weren't that in the regular season. Well, they were from December basically to, you know, the beginning of March for a while. But in the playoffs, they've been a top five defense. So they have executed, they've responded, and every single one of those players, by the way, including Michael Porter Jr., even though he's not shooting well, they bounce back from adversity and they have tried to give their best. And honestly, man, they, I would say, Ryan, they arguably have the healthiest and best culture right now of any NBA teams, plus the talent they've been able to build into that culture as well. Oh, there's no doubt. Like, I mean, how could you how could you think otherwise at this point? Like they're doing crazy stuff. And and the ability that Michael Malone has had to kind of rip into his guys when he feels the need to and know that the team will respond to that and understand right. that, that is what's part of Nuggets culture. That's it. That is what's part of, hey. We that this is the way to hold yourselves accountable. This is the way to hold yourselves to a higher standard and be like, no, winning in the way that they won in game one wasn't okay. And he pointed it out after game one. And mm-hmm. then in game two, they lost. And he's like, see, what did I tell you? And so it's not really a surprise. And, and then having that perfect example there of being like, hey, 
you guys, what are you doing? Come on, let's right. uh, let's get back to it. And then the team being willing to respond and able to respond in the, in a healthy way, uh, it's been it's been very very refreshing. And I think Nuggets fans have that confidence in their own team because the team carries themselves in that way. And there's just a lot to there's a lot to like about it. There's a lot to unpack about it. But I I I know I I wrote a thing on the bottom here that says Heat culture gets the press, but the Nuggets culture is on full display. That's not supposed to be clickbaity or anything like that, but Mm -hmm. I do think that Denver's culture, well, with the way that it's built over these eight years, has has been really, really impressive. And Miami Heat fans and analysts, writers, players, whoever's watching this, you know, because you never know, the Heat deserve to have the reputation for having a Heat culture. Like I said, you go to three Eastern Conference Finals in four years when no one ever expects you to be one of the top two teams in the in the East ever. On any of these runs, no one's ever expected them to be that good, but you do it anyway. Jimmy Butler, then you get Kyle Lowry, you got Bam, you got Tyler Hero, you got Duncan Robinson, Gabe Vincent steps up, Max Struess steps up, Duncan steps up. You have these players that believe so deeply in their identity that they believe they can overcome almost any situation. So you deserve the press for having heat culture. The difference is that people went into the playoff thinking the Nuggets were soft. People went into the playoff thinking the Nuggets couldn't defend. People thought the Nuggets would get into a situation, by the way, versus the Phoenix Suns when they were the consensus favorite to win the West. They weren't going to be able to live up to the expectation. They couldn't beat KD down the stretch. And some people didn't think they could beat LeBron down the stretch. But what happens is the Nuggets close. They start games well. They're the best, the most physical team. They're the most dynamic team. And they set the precedent and set the assertive culture for every game they play in. Period. So the Nuggets culture is, is that we are going to play our best version of basketball and we're going to dominate you from inside out while we're doing it. And they've just been able to execute at a very high level throughout the entire playoff run. No, I've loved it. I've, I've loved it. You mentioned, uh, you mentioned defense a lot there and you've mentioned it previously, just the way that the Nuggets have been able to defend and have, held themselves accountable in that regard, I think really stands out there. And Jokic kind of raising his level on defense and Murray raising his level on defense. When it comes from your stars, it, it, it I know that they talk about Aaron Gordon and KCP being the leaders because they are the best defenders on the team. But like it has to come from your stars. It has to come from the people that you respect the most on the court in order to actually do that. What is, is that? Do you think what's changed as much as it has for for the defense to become so much better, or is it something else? By the way, uh, Ryan, you also are a stats guy. I try to not to overwhelm people with stats because people are complaining that I was calculator man. So I tried to be a little bit more content heavy on narrative, right? No, make sure to direct them to my uh, to my Twitter if they if they want to right. hear calculator man. <laughs> so this is from NBA.com. So from the official mm-hmm. source. So when I look up pick and roll man, and I look up pick and roll defenders amongst bigs, again, you just go to Arca Prototype, go to 2022-23, mm. go to playoffs, you go to per game, you go to defensive. That's all you got to do. Very wow. easy. <laughs> so Nikola Jokic basically is seeing the fourth most possessions as the pick and roll big as the defender. Sure. Ryan, would you like to take a guess to – the point per possession he's allowing at the pick and roll defender in the playoffs. Take a guess. Uh, you know, I'm I'm gonna I'm I'm very curious to see how how this actually goes here, but I'm going to guess that he's allowing like 
0.9 points per possession because it's harder. It's 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 harder to score in the playoffs. So that's that seems seems about right, right? Okay. Actually, Nikola Jokic is allowing again on the fourth most possession defended per game. 0.74 points per possession mm. as the pick and roll defender in the NBA playoff. Ryan, can you please explain to maybe me Consider me a casual fan who doesn't understand the game of basketball. Ryan, how is it that a big is able to hold a team to which essentially would be a 74 offensive rating Yep, and stretched out across the game? How is it that a big is able to defend at that high of a level? And is it just coincidence that you're able to do that over the course, by the way, of a 19-game sample size? Go ahead. Yeah, 19 games. There's there's a lot of pick and rolls that people have been trying to put Nikola Jokic into. And and one of the things that I think Denver's done a good job of is they help each other out. And defense is played as, as all five guys. It's not played by just one guy. And I think Denver's done a great job of designing their scheme to take advantage of Jokic's strengths as much as they possibly can. You see him ha- his sticking out his hands as much as he is, trying to get his hands in passing lanes. You see him kicking the ball. And like some people don't like that, but it is a part of defense. It's resetting the play. Uh, you see him uh, boxing out guys and, and grabbing defensive rebounds. And then you see him rotating back over to his own man and contesting these shots pretty well for somebody who's close to seven feet and, and has a seven foot three wingspan. His timing is great. His disruption is great. He's got great hands as we, as we talked about, but more than anything, He's also built like a freaking ox, and nobody's mm. going through that dude. Bam Adebayo ain't going through that dude, mm. and and he's one of the strongest players on planet Earth. Wow. Like there, there's just very few people that are actually challenging Nikola Jokic at the rim right now, wow. at least in a, in a one-on-one situation. It is more about getting around him as opposed to going through or over the top of him. And, and when Jokic is as locked in as he is to his principles and – swiping at the ball and doing everything that he can uh, to disrupt things defensively. There are very few players in the NBA that are capable of doing that. And that's not talked about enough. And and I I hope the narrative changes just a little bit sooner. Okay. Can you help me, sir? Sure. So let's stay on the defense, right? Because that Mm. was the big deal coming into the playoffs. And I think it's really important to stress this because now we're speaking to the Nuggets as a whole. Sure. Uh, Right. Can you do me a favor? I need you to do me a favor, good sir. All right. Can you guesstimate what true shooting percentages do Jimmy Butler and Bam Adebayo have in the NBA Finals so far? Well, as somebody who's been paying attention and has watched every game and, and understands that, hey, it's it's not as easy in the NBA Finals when you're going up against a championship-caliber defense, I'm, I'm going to say that they're below average. I'm going to say Jimmy Butler is at about, we'll say, 52, and Bam's at about 51. Oh, wow. Mm. Wow. Well, also, somebody cheated because they looked this up before, but, you know, we're not going to say anything about that. But, again, Ryan, you are correct. Jimmy Butler has a 52.5% true shooting. Wow. 52.5% true shooting so far in the NBA Finals. Bam on a bio, the person who is supposed to be able to score at will versus the Joker, has a 50.9% true shooting. So far in the playoff, a 50.9% true shooting so far in the playoff. Again, another question for you, Ryan Blackburn. Okay. Okay. Can you please tell me what is the league average true shooting 
throughout the NBA playoffs so far? Oh, it's probably a little bit lower than the regular season average. So I'm going to guess correct. it's about 55.5, somewhere in there. It's 56.8% is the that league high. average. Wow. Interesting. League average playoff true shooting. So this means that Jimmy Butler is a negative 4% relative true shooting off the league average. Bam Adebayo is about 6% below league average playoff true shooting. When going into the series, spam pick and roll. We saw a Twitter user the other day, I'm not going to bring up his name, say all you got to do is spam Joker pick and roll. Jimmy Butler, Bam Adebayo, Jamal Murray can't defend. Surely Aaron Gordon can't stop him. So, Ryan, I'm just telling you, man, I think more than the offense, which has been the best in the NBA playoff, it is the Nuggets' defense that has been stifling for the Miami Heat so far. Most important thing for people to remember is that not everybody has a Steph Curry or a Damian Lillard that can shoot from 35 feet. So when you're trying to play defense at the level or blitzing or drop or whatever, like when you're when you're bringing Jokic into the action, it is really hard to guard those guys for everybody, let alone Jokic, who is a slower seven footer. And the the difference between Jokic and other slower seven footers is that Jokic actually does get his hands in passing lanes, has some scheme versatility, and isn't just going to play drop like a right. certain center in Philadelphia or in Milwaukee, uh, like mm. those guys uh, decide to do. So. It is interesting to me that, that Jokic is the guy left standing and has had more versatility and more variability in, in what he's been able to do. <laughs> Question for you, Ryan. Sure. So, as you said, this, there is a center, won't name names, mm. in Game 7 was being hunted by a certain wing uh, for the Boston Celtics mm. when he went scored 51 points in the Game 7 um, and was getting absolutely obliterated. Has has the Nikola Jokic had a defensive game as bad as that so far in this playoff run? Uh, no, I believe that I believe that he has not. I believe that he has not been uh, bitched out in the pick and roll and in isolation as often as he has. Okay, so would you say that Joker, per the information, per the data, has mm. actually been one of the better? Big defenders in the entire NBA playoffs. Yeah, you know, I think every pretty much every singular source of data, like, so basically says, yeah, you 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 can win with Nikola Jokic because he's actually pretty good on the defensive end and, and does a lot of things that maybe people aren't recognizing when they watch him. So you're saying that he arguably has been the clear best offensive player in the NBA playoff while being one of the better interior defenders in the NBA playoff throughout the entire run. Yeah, I think the numbers basically say that Miami's been shooting way below average at the rim in this wow. series. And when Jokic has absolutely turned it up and done a lot of stuff uh, trying to prevent at the rim, he's also been able to dominate on the offensive end. Funny enough that somehow that happens. Funny enough that you can, you can do both. And, and, and a guy that wasn't credited with doing both before is, is now doing it on the biggest stage possible. Do you think... Cause we actually, we'll talk about the narrative stuff a little bit because some of the uh, Q score stuff that you want to talk about. Mm, yeah. But I think this speaks – this need KCP, Jamal Murray, Aaron Gordon, Christian Brown, Jeff Green, and Bruce Brown, they have done a tremendous job, a tremendous job throughout this entire playoff run. And even Jeff Green, when he's been asked to guard Jimmy Butler or Bam 
when he's playing the low five or playing versus Aiden or playing versus Rudy or Cat. I mean, even Jeff, you know, he hasn't been perfect, of course. But I think Jeff might be your worst defender. And yeah. he's not been bad. Like, he's not been bad all the time. So, like, that just speaks to how strong they've been defensively. Sometimes, like, you've just got to build a good team. You've got to build a team that makes up for the weaknesses of your star players and then highlights their strengths in such ways that, like, so many teams just, just don't have a lot of answers for Denver. And building that rotation, Calvin Booth gets so much credit for that, but also Michael Malone, in, in finding the right combination of folks, uh, that does get a lot of credit for that, too. He deserves a lot of that. Um, this this has been a a great run for Denver defensively, and and I think that you could you could credit both of those guys pretty equally in terms of getting the people in the door that you needed to get there, and then turning this group into one of the best defensive units in the NBA. How wild is that to say? Look, uh, currently the Denver Nuggets they have the uh, fifth best playoff defense, mm. the fifth best playoff defense so far. Um, they by far have the best record of anybody in the top five. The Grizzlies only played six games. They rank ahead. The Grizzlies are ahead by point four. The Lakers, who got obliterated by the Nuggets, by the way, um, who the Nuggets actually played better defense versus them than they played versus the, the Nuggets, but, you know, you know who knew? Um, mm-hmm. They're only point five ahead. Um, and then you got the Cavaliers, who played five games. So the Knicks are number one with a 108.5 defensive rating. They played 11 games. The Nuggets have played 19 games. They're the only other team that has that kind of profile. And then the Lakers have 16 games played. But, man, like, their their sample size is bigger than everybody, and they're still elite. So think about it. The Timberwolves series, completely different kind of scheme. <laughs> the Suns, a completely different kind of scheme. The Lakers, the Heat, all of it has been so different. So, Ryan, if you could answer the question, and if maybe you already have as well in some parts, but what do you think has changed outside of even the personnel about the Nuggets to where they've been able to be so malleable defensively versus every team in every round so far? Well, personnel is definitely part of it. Um, I do think that sending out Bones Highland and not playing a true backup center and and just taking away the two ends, like one and five, like you, you'd rather just play a bunch of wings and and it's it is pretty simple when it comes down to that. But Denver, they've got competitors and they've got guys that are battling on there. And they also just have such smart people that right. you you know that they can handle the defensive coverages, that they can adapt, that they can read and understand the game plans and then apply what they need to apply. Uh, Bruce has been a fantastic smart defender and a bulldog. KCP brings that defensive IQ through the roof. Right. And then, like Christian Brown was wise beyond his years when he when he came into the league, and I think has even learned on the fly while, while while handling all of this. So those guys, everybody deserves a ton of credit. Jokic obviously calling out a whole bunch of stuff, but when you know what the other team is going to do and you know how to match up with it, it gives you so much flexibility to play around with different schemes and different personnel. And Denver's found a couple that they like, and then Miami still has yet to answer. Right. So I'm excited to see how game five goes, man. You know, this could end up being if we kind of have a if we have a feeling about how the Nuggets, you know, have closed series, the Wolves, the Suns, the Lakers, they they, they have a chance to have their best defensive game of the playoffs so far. That'd be wild. That'd be wild. I, I think it may be their best offensive game. 
um, of the series, uh, but we, we will just have to see. There, there's a lot to talk about here, but tell you what, my man, let's take a break. When we come back, we're going to talk about who's seen their Q score increase as much as they have and then like which which player is being viewed differently or most differently than than they were at the beginning of this finals run. But first, everybody, this podcast, as you know, it's brought to you by our good friends over at Superbook. Make sure to bring that big bet energy this summer with Superbook Sports. They're the most trusted name in sports betting right now. And you can use promo code MILEHIGH to score up to $250 with their first bet bonus. Win or lose, they'll match your first bet up to $250 with promo code MILEHIGH. Simply visit Superbook.com for terms and conditions or download the promo code. Uh, or Yeah, download the app. Make sure that you've got everything going on that front and you will get $250 courtesy of Superbook as long as you enter that promo code MILEHIGH. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-522. 4,700. We'll be right back on Pickaxe and Roll. Pickaxe and Roll, Ryan Blackburn here, joined by my guy, Swipe a Cam. Make sure to drop a like on the two channels. Uh, subscribe to the MHS YouTube channel, to the Swipe a Cam YouTube channel. Uh, we just broke 2K over over at uh, MHS, and it was a, lo- a long time coming, I think. Uh, but really appreciate that, everybody, for stepping up. Uh, real quick, this is the 499th episode of Pickaxe and Roll, Swipe a. 499. And 500 will be after Game 5. That's that's uh that's pretty curious as to as to how that worked out. I did not plan that. I promise it just uh just naturally occurred like that. And then maybe I was like, eh, I don't need to podcast on this day. We could save that for a uh, for episode five hundred. But we will see how it goes. But it's been it's been great to do the show with you, man. And we've we've had a lot to a lot to discuss over the course of this po- of this postseason, especially, and uh, been been awesome to be able to uh, to connect on on yeah. this stuff. No, that's facts, bro, man. I'm proud of you, man. You know, that's huge. For so long, you were carrying pick, hack, and roll basically all by yourself, man. And, you know, so uh, to be able to get to 499 episodes, I don't even want to think the episodes I've done on the YouTube channel for the Swiper platform. So I have not counted it. I don't want to know what it is. It's probably far too many. Um, so, Ryan, man, that's incredible, man. I'm happy for you. And here's the 500 more. I'm <laughs> doubling up episodes, doubling up the check, doubling up the content. Yeah, man, I'm excited for you, bro. Oh man, let's double up the check. That sounds <laughs> sounds like a great idea. Uh, all right, well, let's get into it now. We got to talk about talk about game three, game four. Absolute vibe down there. Um, I want to talk about this one because I, I thought this was a pretty interesting question. Um, there are so many players that have their that have a different reputation now than where it was at the beginning of the playoffs. Like guys that I could that come to mind for me. Nikola Jokic, Jamal Murray, Bruce Brown, uh, Aaron Gordon, especially just somebody who like playing that Andrew Wiggins role as uh, for yeah. last year's Golden State Warriors just makes a lot of sense on in that regard. Michael Malone, even not a Nuggets player, but but I think people are realizing what he can do. Uh, Christian Brown is a rookie, the only rookie to play in these playoffs, really. Uh, which of those guys, and, and you could you could pick somebody else as well. Which of those players do you think? has seen their Q score increase the most 
in this playoff run? Well, I'll tell you what. There's a certain guy <laughs> that the conversations around him have gotten so deep. People are asking and asking legitimately, is Jamal Murray a top 10 NBA player? Is Jamal Murray better than Devin Booker? Like Jason Temp, who, again, if you're a Swiper Gang member I've done videos with, he stated on his, his Twitter, he thinks Jamal Murray is a top 15 player. Like, he's no question better than Trey Young. Like, Jamal Murray had gone from being a maybe fringe top 35 player, top 40, to people legitimately asking how many second options have been better than Jamal Murray in the last 15 years in the NBA playoff setting. So his skew score had jumped to like people, Chris Broussard and them are saying it's too early to call him a superstar, but he's on the way. That's how far his star has risen. Do you happen to remember? Cause I, I definitely do. It's been burned into my memory. You happen to remember where ESPN ranked him at the beginning of the season? Well, I want to say he was outside the top 50. He was 50 on the nose. Or maybe it was 51. It was one of those two. Yeah, man, I don't know what to tell you, bro. Like, everybody just for a year and a half got a chance to sit in silence. They were like, oh, it's the bubble. He's not real. This is not who he was. And, you know, like I said, I don't think any player in the NBA has jumped up further than Jamal in terms of what. Hey, bro, I'm not going to hold you. By the end of the season, ESPN going into next year, Joker's going to be consensus number one. That's happened. So we'll talk about him in a second. Yeah. But is Jamal going to crack, like, top 20? <laughs> is he going to be sitting next to, like, De'Aaron Fox and Donovan Mitchell and Shea Gilgis and Brandon Ingram? Is that where he's going to be fitting uh, come next year? It's so funny that you put out that graphic at the beginning of the season that also included Jalen Brown. And ain't no way I'm taking – Jalen Brown over Jamal Murray at this point. Like, well, that's that's nuts if, if anybody's actually doing that. But uh, no, like, I, I think I think that's the group that you're talking about, or maybe even higher. Like, like, are we having the Devin Booker conversation? Are we having like like the people grading out Bam Adebayo is a better player because of the defensive versatility, things like that? Like, but no, like he in my mind, like, I, I knew that he had this in him. Like, for, for sure, I wrote about him being, like, the Kobe to Jokic's Shaq. <laughs> like, there was, there were plenty of times throughout uh, these last few years where he could have, like, really tailed off, and he just continues to build after this, after this ACL tear, which is just really, really cool. It's a great story. And, like, I, I think I could see him at top 20. We'd have to do the list. We're definitely going to do We're going to do a oh, list. Yeah. Oh, yeah, it's, we're It's going to be... It's going to be legendary moments here on, on weekends with Swiper or, or whatever we we decide to to call our, our shows going forward. But uh, no, I'm uh, I'm looking forward to to having those uncomfortable conversations about hey, like he may not have made an All Star game yet, but you know, like this is the dude. This is the dude that you want in the playoffs. That's for sure. Well, but before we get to Jokic, I got another question for you, and I think kind of a question statement. Michael Malone. Do you think his Q score has increased significantly? Absolutely. I mean, I think people are talking about him like, is this a top five coach in the league? Like, this this is probably a top five coach in the league. I think a lot of folks were very curiously talking about, okay, is, is he is he overrated? Is he is he in the boot and holes category? Is he the Mark Jackson to 
whoever the future Nuggets Steve Kerr is. Like there, there's that conversation that's been going on a lot surrounding Malone before these playoffs. And I know that there are even people locally, and then some of them trolls, some of them not, that are like, yeah, Malone should be gone. Uh, but I, I know that that Malone has like he's the guy for this job, and and to see him be able to have this moment has been really really cool. I have a question for you, brother. Another one. <laughs> so you had Chris Finch, Monty yeah. Williams, Darvin Ham, yeah. Eric Spoelstra. Has Michael Malone been out coached in any series so far? Hell no, hell no, and that includes that's crazy. That includes Eric Spolstra. I think people like Monty Williams won Coach of the Year last year. Last year. Chris Finch was in the conversation last year. And like Darvin Ham's been credited for being able to handle the Lakers situation as much as he has. And Eric Spolstra, I think, is the universally accepted best coach in the league right now. Just everything that he does. He wanted to know why it's because he plays zone. Like, good for him. Right. Good for him for playing zone. Right. Uh, but no, like, it, it's, it is crazy to see. Malone kind of jump into those conversations as opposed to being in the previous ones because he's the fourth longest tenure coach of the league. Right. And, and his ability to like, there's a reason why he's there. It's, he's not just like riding the coattails of Jokic in my opinion, like he brings his own stuff. Ryan, Jerry Sloan, what hit 24 years with Mm -hmm. jazz 20 around there. Never won a ring. Yeah. Like Malone is going to bolt himself. And by the way, this ring is going to be more impressive than what uh, Doc Rivers did in 2008. I'll tell you that much. Oh, Paul yeah. Pierce, Rondo, Garnett, Ray Allen. I mean, great run for don't sure. Don't forget Kendrick Perkins. Kendrick, and again, great interior big man. But big baby on that team too. Jane Posey, yeah. I think, was on that team. Uh, uh, with Eddie House on that roster too. I don't know if Tony Allen was there, but like, I mean, I know he was around for a while. Right. Uh, no, they got a stacked roster, and they 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 but they traded for a couple of yeah they traded for a couple all stars. And bro, what the hell? When we did the Din Bender show, by the way, we got to do one after the final. By the way, we have to do one. We have to do a recap. Have to <laughs> when we did that again, the the, the the expectation was going to the playoffs. Hey, if Malone doesn't make the finals, he might get fired. But but Malone, it's not by his fault per se, but like it's injuries the last two years. All the, but Ryan, it's so big. That even 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 the adjustment they made. So the adjustment they made when Miami started blissing Murray. Remember KCP's lob to AG. So because Miami did that, they just said, "Okay, well we're going to bring Joker up to the high pick and roll, or AG up to the high pick and roll." Now you got multiple options that you got to hit, and then you got to throw the ball either oop to AG. You're getting a dump off outlet pass, or with a third option when you're getting blitz, and then you're rotating the ball around. Now you got a mismatch with Jokic on Jimmy Butler, who's and then taking Nikola Jokic from the nail, putting him to the post against the 1-3-1, and Christian Brown is exposing it by having multiple cutters coming at the action and getting to the rim. Who's making all these adjustments? <laughs> this is I mean, Malone. It's Malone. David Adelman deserves David some Adelman. credit, too, for sure. Like he, the, Those guys have been awesome. Malone is obviously going to be more focused on the defensive end, but it certainly right. like you get credit for that, Malone, for – holding 93, 94, 95 points in, in the three wins. Right. Like like everybody deserves credit for that, Malone especially, and and just keeping the team on track and, and mentally engaged and prepared for all of these adjustments and making sure that they could handle that has been a really big deal. And, and I just I, – I feel pretty strongly that, that he he's a guy who I – mean, he definitely deserves a ton of praise here. Right. Um, like 
So we've got Murray is like now a top 20 player. Malone is definitely a top five coach in the league. Jokic, like consensus number one. I don't know if he's going to be the uni- unanimous number one, but like I mean, the, the Ringer already had him number one. He's going to be solidified. ESPN is going to have him number one with the momentum he has now. Oh yeah. Um, I'm trying to think. CBS, they think they they will have him number one. I think going into they next are, year, they already had a couple of people that were like, yeah, he's the best player in the league last year. So right, there's momentum there for sure. Bleacher will have him number one. They, I think, be very favorable with Bleacher, like Sam Amick and obviously Andy Bailey and uh, Dan Fidel. Uh, yeah, yeah, him as well. Uh, what about uh, does Kevin Pelton write for them? No, he's at ESPN. Okay, but yeah, I mean, man, he, he's going to be the the Jokic guy at ESPN for sure. I mean, even but even Nick Wright is like having to say like if he went the ring. Giannis lost. Giannis lost three games to the Heat team when he was healthy. Three yeah. didn't get yeah. a game. Joker's up three one. Oh, by the way, let me ask you this question. I asked this on Twitter, but I want to hear your thoughts. And again, sure. try to be as unbiased as possible, which you always do. You're Ryan Blackburn. The, <laughs> I do what I can. Ryan Blackburn. <laughs> so do you think, based on this run and age 28, age 27 season, has Nikola Jokic proven to be the superstar with the least amount of exposable weaknesses and also to be the best advantage creator in a playoff setting? Now, I think there are some options you can choose from, but if you had to say maybe your top three, starting at the top, who do you think the players are that have the least amount of exploitable weaknesses and also create the most advantages in a playoff setting? Oh, man, it's it's a it's a crazy <laughs> it is a crazy fact. Like, oh, I think Jokic is probably one. I, I honestly do. I think that. I think that Steph is probably two. Like he's he's the guy who I'm thinking about where, where you're like, okay, there this is a this is a mismatch because of what he's doing. And and he doesn't get taken advantage of on the uh on the on the defensive side as much. Although LeBron certainly made it his mission to to play him sure. out of that and did a really good job, especially in that game six of running every single action at Steph. Like there's there's sure. part of that that I'm think I'm least concerned about there. Um Beyond that, it's not probably not Giannis. Like Giannis just kind of goes through. Like I don't know how much advantage stuff he really does. Like it's really just about kind of running through the brick wall. Like what? What are you thinking? Like for me, it's Jokic and then Steph on that. Yeah, I can hear. I think it's Jokic because I think Jokic's defense has proven to be like he's like a legit plus big now, right? Yeah. Uh, but I also think Steph, like you know. On on ball, off ball, gravity, playmaking, scoring, shooting, you know, 50 feet in type defense you got to play. And, again, you can hide him because he's a small player. Um, I think three for me. Jamal Murray? (laughs) No, actually. But, you know, what? you could probably put him top ten. What about this? Fully healthy. Is Kawhi Leonard number two or three? Ooh, it you know he did such a great job in that first the first two games against Phoenix. Like, I think there you you had this. I'm pretty sure when we were talking about just wanting to see those guys healthy, uh, Kawhi and PG going up against Phoenix. I think that there's something to that. Booker also did a great job of just creating advantages as often as he did against Denver. But Kawhi is probably like that's a good answer. That's a good answer in terms of like, hey, 
Like, how would you exploit? How would you exploit Kawhi if you don't have Jokic on the court? Because that's what I mean. Yoke, we've seen that matchup, but like in other series, like, are you really able to exploit Kawhi Leonard? No, of course. I mean, no. That's that's people are trying to actively go away from him in a lot of different ways. They're trying to avoid him as much as possible. You had like a, a good friend Matt Moore. Like he he wrote an article like early on in Kawhi's like rise up as as one of the best defenders in the league that he would actually like he would defend the best player on the opposing team and that best player would then go stand in the corner mm. so that the rest of the team could run four on four and Kawhi could be as far away from the play as possible right which is hilarious but that's how dominant he was in that in that so people definitely forget about that but I, I think the Kawhi's a good answer for sure um and and for everybody that's that's just hopping into this combo, this isn't about best player. This is just about creating the most advantages and, and having mm-hmm. the fewest disadvantages, which, I mean, it's part of being the best player. That's part of being in the best player combo. Uh, Kevin Durant, I guess, could could be a part of that, I guess. <laughs> uh, Wait, I don't know. I, I, again, I, I asked this uh, the last two years, Ryan, even, you know, the, the end of the net series and all that stuff. Bro, he cannot play make, and he turns the ball over crazy. Yeah, I think I think Tatum might actually be better than him at this point. Uh, but his shot profile is terrible, right? It's disgusting. Like it, it really is. There's there's man, there's a lot of flawed players too. <laughs> there's a lot. Like I'm trying to think about it. Dame is too small. Like like he his offense has been unbelievable, but defensively, like he he just gets taken advantage of more than anybody in the league at, at that top level. Uh, but I'm very curious. I'm I I, I don't know. I, I just don't know. I th- what about Anthony? Well, I think Anthony Davis is pretty high on that list. Like he's a play finisher. He's so he's not. Yeah, but he's, he's not, also like like bipolar and when and when he wants to show up to games. But but he's never been like a dominant offensive player. He's been, always been a dominant defensive player. So yeah. he doesn't like he has more to lose offensively because he's not a creator at all. But, bro, like, just his standard of measurement, what he's able to provide as a 26-12 guy in a playoff setting and, like, anchoring at number one defense, I think AD might be up there. I think AD might be over in B as well. (laughs) I wonder if if he just didn't go up against Jokic, like, would they have gone through – would they have won the title? Like, like just remove the Nuggets from the picture. Like, they might have been able to do it just with as as much impact as he makes against most Him versus Bam would have been a great matchup. Yeah, I mean, I, AD probably would have like just smoked him, in my opinion. But right. um, I don't know. That's that's a good question. It's uh, <laughs> Jokic just makes people look uh, look human for sure. Um, all right. Well, we we we've gone a little bit off track, but uh, <laughs> let me ask you one thing before we hit break here. Uh, Michael Malone, all Nuggets for all Nuggets has been part of his messaging for like. This, this playoff run for sure, and, and how Denver's having all of this success. They're now in this position that the franchise has never been in before. And he said that the, this this run is for all Nuggets. Uh, players, coaches, anybody that's gone through, uh, they everybody should have a piece of this. Right. Who do you think about when, when, he, when he says that? I'm not going to lie, bro. I think about Alex English going down with an injury in 1985. Mm. I think about Chauncey, Mello, Carter, Martin, Nene, uh, 2009. I think about Ty Lawson and a follow on them in 2012, Iggy, even to a degree. I think about Kenneth Fareed and, 
you know, uh, Moutier and Randy Foy and Jameer Nelson and them. Uh, I mean, shoot, bro, Gary Harris, Will Barton, Mason Plumley. I mean, you. Could, I don't have beef with any of these guys. Yusuf Nurkic, you know, I think about that era. I think about the uh, um, the Jared Vanderbilts and then Hernan Gomez's of the world. And then you get Paul Millsaps and then you get the Monte Morris's and the Gary Harris and, you know, all those dudes. Like, they all laid the fabric, you know, for where they are today. So I think Gallinari, somebody said Gallinari. But, yeah. you know, Jamal mentioned this going into the finals. Like, he brought up multiple players. I think about all the dudes – Especially that have played with Jokic and Murray, that and that have all contributed. Wilson Chandler, Wilson, you know, Bill Will, baby. <laughs> like, I when he got to the Denver, I was like, bro, we have we finally have a big wing that we can actually defend and all that kind of stuff. And hey, if Wilson doesn't go 0 13 in you know 2017 18, maybe they don't get Michael Porter Jr. Ooh, so that's right. <laughs> that was that was a I was I was very upset that day, that bro. Was rough. <laughs> 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 no shots made. I just couldn't, and they lost in overtime. Oh, that was sick. Um, I think about all those dudes, man. Who do you think about? Uh, I do think about Alex English and David Thompson first. I yeah. think about those guys that are the biggest Nuggets legends of, of years past. I think about Melo. I think about Dikembe. I think about uh, AI, mm. players like that who – uh, yeah, no, I, I, I totally agree. Alfonso Ellis, yeah. Yeah, no, Fonz is uh, just one of those guys, too. Um, oh, oh, uh, 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 my, my mood as well. Don't, and I'm my, not going to forget mood, him. Man, just, yeah, just, for uh, sure. There are, there are so many players that are a part of the Nuggets fabric that, like, think about it. There, there wasn't a player on the NBA 75 list that was a Nugget. Like I, I know that Melo played for the Nuggets, but he then adopted New York, and I think they're trying to mend that relationship. But like, so much of Denver's fifty-year history has been kind of lost, right? In in time, and people there, they've definitely been a background character in the NBA's history and the NBA storyline. So, being able to talk about Antonio McDias is a great Our Olympian who we traded, Nelson, by the way. And, Birdman, like all these guys, all these guys for sure. Like there, there are so many players that you can mention and so many names that come to mind that, man, history is so important. Oh, are you, are you pointing at Eduardo? That, was he the first, was he the first uh, drafted Mexican player in the NBA? I don't know. I, I, I thought, was it Adam Morrison? No, I don't think, I don't think he would. No, cause I think Eduardo came before him, but I don't think uh, Adam, was he, I don't think he was Hispanic. I mean, I think, I, it, I think it might have been Eduardo. Oh, by the way, who, by the way, the sneakiest 43-point game in Denver Nuggets history. Who was it, bro? You remember, 2000s. Uh, which year? To the, in the 2000s, in the decade of 2000. Chat, if you know who this is, he had a 43-point game. And I don't know if it was a playoff game. He came off the bench. He was oh, a was win. It, was it Eduardo? Like, no. No, who was it? Bro, Linus Kleza. Oh, that's the one. Oh, my God. Man, 43 from Linus Glazer is nuts. Just an absolutely bonkers stat line. So, uh, but, oh, matter of fact, Earl Boykins oh, should have been sixth man of the year. Man, Andre Miller. Like, we could Andre just Miller. go down the list, man. Like, I, I think about all these guys, and I think about all the moments that have kind of been lost to history. And it's very fortunate that Denver is in this position because now you can talk about – 
in. It wasn't just Joker. It wasn't just Jamal. It wasn't just Malone. Those guys, I think, could be at the forefront of like this revolution of bringing the Nuggets into the NBA's fabric. But I was talking right. about this with you about the Lakers and in the Lakers series. So many of their fans are like associated with being the main character all the time. Like we are the main characters of the NBA story. Not this year. Not this time. The Nuggets and their Nuggets fans can absolutely hang. And and I think that this is the this is the time. This is the time that everybody gets to talk about and and, and really hope hopefully enjoy because it just builds on fifty years of history for sure. Right, bro, man. I'm telling you, man. Like. There, bro. Our man, you know, we'll we'll be able to do this in the summer a lot too. Like, kind of like mm-hmm. that all nuggets thing, man. Like, bro, I remember when Kobe did the behind the back fast break dunk in like in two thousand and two. You know what I mean? Like, I remember the days where the Nuggets were bummy. Uh, uh, what was it, Nicholas? Uh, Nicholas uh, Titus Titus Beely, <laughs> Skitty Spilly. <laughs> but like two thousand and four. Draft, uh, I, think I think it was 2002 when he was drafted. But top five pick. Yeah, yeah. it was a bad pick. <laughs> and then we got uh, uh, what is it? The friends over Vince Carter and yeah. uh, and Amari yeah. Stoudemire and all that, bro. We have Man. been through the ringer, bro. <laughs> that's uh, that's very real. It's very real, man. But I'm excited. Like, hopefully. Hopefully Monday is at least a little bit of a, a cathartic release for everybody where can, can can internalize all those names and then be able to talk about them. And now you get to be able to talk about them with a little bit more fondness because, hey, got a championship. Who cares? Right. Yeah, man. I think it's hopefully, you know, Lord willing, everybody's just healthy, um, you know, for both sides. They can play a great game, man. I just uh, – yeah, man. And it's been, it's been the thing about Ryan. Like, it's felt so matter-of-fact. The entire playoffs, yeah. like at no point have I felt even you know in the hype videos and stuff, it's never felt like oh like a surprise. Like yeah. this is just they're taking care of business. It's what it's felt like. It, it is definitely I totally totally one hundred percent agree. There's a little bit of nerves here or there, but most of the time it's just about like this is what they're built for. This is what this right. moment is about. So really really cool. Uh, tell you what, instead of doing a third segment, let's just do predictions right now. Because uh, we're already at the 54 minute mark, uh, so let's uh, let's do predictions right now on Game Five and and just everything that that we can kind of talk about. What 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 are you looking for tomorrow? What are you looking for on Monday? And uh, and what do you think happens? I'm gonna say the Denver Nuggets win. Could you know the pace is slower? I'm gonna say the Denver Nuggets win uh, about I would say a hundred. And 10, I think it might be 110 to 92. I think it's going to be one of those games. I'm, uh, I'm, I'm with you. I, the first thing that came to mind for me was 112 to 95. 112 By the to way, we need 28 points and 14 assists from Joker tomorrow for, for agenda reasons. That's what we need. Yeah. 28, 28 and 14, please. Let it happen. Just so that uh, – uh, you get the 14 for 200 assists. Is that right? Yep, 200 assists, and then yeah. you get you keep the average at 30 30 points a game. That's 600 points. I'm pretty sure you're you're trying to reach it too as well. 600 mm-hmm. points, like 250 plus rebounds and 200 assists. It's just just disgusting totals. <laughs> like, right. Nobody has ever done what he's doing right now, and, and it's been it's been really cool to see him 
uh, step up in this moment and just just bring his all around game to the NBA uh, to the NBA final stage. Like, and I think if if Jamal, I think he's averaging twenty six point seven. I think if he scores thirty three, I think he gets up to twenty seven. Yeah, I mean that would be cool too. But he needs um, seven assists to maintain seven. Though he does seven point one right now, I think. Although I got, I'm not gonna lie, like. I would if if I had to choose who was stepping up, like I want Joker to have his moment. I'm okay with Jamal getting like a standard 15 to 20 points and not having that. I want to right. see Michael Porter go off. I, I want to see that dude hit some shots because he's been good. He's been a good soldier. He's done what he can. Played great defense at various points throughout this run and uh, has had some good moments as a scorer in the first three rounds, but as a as a scorer in round in the round four in the NBA Finals, it just has not been there. So I want to see him hit some shots. I want to see him go on a Porter quarter and just like have seventeen points in in the first quarter or something like that. How how hyped would the building be if that was if that was happening? Oh yeah, if he had fifteen at the half, yeah, oh for sure, because that can definitely happen. If Michael Porter had fifteen at the half, his three threes. Gets a couple dunks or something like mm-hmm. that, or some lands. Yeah, that would be for the vibes would be great. Vibes would be immaculate for sure. Uh, Novak Djokovic, uh, Novak Djokovic also won. I'm pretty sure that's mm-hmm. uh, good stuff from him. I thought I was going to jinx that yesterday, but uh, when I when I said he was he was going to do it, but no, it's not not a big deal. Not a big deal for sure. Um, but yeah, let's get let's get a big game from Joker. A reasonable game for Murray. I, I want to see him cross ten assists again. Like oh my dope. gosh, five straight games of ten assists in your NBA Finals career. All five, first five, all five. That would be nuts. Just absolutely insane. Um, and then MPJ just goes off for sure. It's it's his time. I, I think that everybody else right. has had his moment, their moments for sure. Christian Brown had his moment. KCP last game. Uh, Bruce Brown, AG last game. Jeff Green hit a couple. Of, like he's he's made some good plays and and hit big three in game four. Murray and Jokic, obviously, their moments have been throughout the playoffs, but Game Three especially, uh, it's got to be MPJ. Like that, my opinion, but it's it's got to be him. Yeah, I think it's going to be great. Do you think they're going to blitz as hard tomorrow? I have no idea what they're going to do. I I think that they've they've thrown everything at the at the kitchen sink here, uh, thrown everything but the kitchen sink, and I think their kitchen sink play is going to be let's play Duncan Robinson and Gabe Vincent and Kyle Lowry around Jimmy Butler and Bam right. and go small and just try to uh, try to overwhelm them with scoring. It's just not going to happen. <laughs> oh, the dimes are flying. <laughs> you know that Joker's going to be throwing those dimes. You know that Jamal's going to be setting guys up on the on the fast break. And even if they have to take the ball out of their own basket, like they're going to get some good shots against a smaller defense. There's There's no doubt. Uh, but should be fun, man. I, I'm I'm really looking forward to this, and uh, <laughs> I know Nuggets fans are too. Yeah, it's going to be great, man. I'm really excited, bro. And yeah, man, it's just been crazy. It's been crazy, man. I, I'm I'm you know I'm very excited to celebrate these players, man. So like I said, you know, hopefully they get it done tomorrow. Hopefully they do. But folks, that is going to do it for this episode of Weekends with Swiper. Thank you so much for hanging out. And had a great time with you and this is so important for this moment we are just vibing right now like just like the nuggets we are taking this all in trying to enjoy it as much as we possibly can um anything else any lasting thoughts before we get out of here um yeah you know uh i called this in june i think when i I set the uh, the Nuggets versus Bucks MJ final bet. 
So, you know, I had the Nuggets winning the championship. And uh, just to watch this kind of uh, the crescendo to the opportunity they have in front of them, man, and uh, the way they've done it, it's just been special to watch. So, yeah, it's just I'm really excited for everybody, man. Everybody is affiliated with the Nuggets, Denver, in any way, shape, or form. I'm really excited for the city, for the people, for Serbian, the international audience, for everyone to be able to participate in this, you know, should they be able to get it done tomorrow. We love it. We love it here, man. It's been so good. Uh, everybody check out Swipe's channel, uh, Swipe a Cam, and make sure to pay attention to the immediate recap that he gives on Monday night. My guess is it's going to be a good one, but you never know. We'll, we'll see what happens. But for uh, me, Brian Blackburn here at NBA Blackburn, Swipe a Cam at Swipe a Cam on Twitter. Uh, everybody, thank you so much for tuning in. Episode 500 of Pickaxe and Roll is tomorrow night. It'll be great. Talk to you guys very soon.